Welcome to the Nebraska Abilities Podcast. I am Nate with my co-hosts Andy and Zach. We will be uh, discussing our victorious bye week, the uh, week that we've all been waiting for <laughs> for the last four games, it seems like. Um, but past that, we'll be looking uh, to preview the Indiana game as well as little bit of a round table on a few different topics from around uh, the college football universe and so i guess we'll just take a deep dive right into things yesterday college football wise was a fairly exciting day for uh, games again it was nice to not really be involved in them that way uh, there wasn't too much hurt or sadness to cling on to this week so it was nice to see uh, a few of those other teams few of few of our rivals uh get the short end of the stick here but we weren't too many upsets necessarily the big one was obviously kansas state over oklahoma avenging our loss uh, from last week adrian martinez went into oklahoma and had himself quite the game not sure exactly uh exactly what his stats looked like but just a cursory glance seems like he had four or five touchdowns four on the ground one passing touchdown average 6.9 yards per pass which is pretty nice and gotta say kansas state could be a a a team to beat in the big 12 if adrian can click i mean they obviously can show what they can do beating a top 10 team in the nation so that was uh should be a pretty exciting team to watch going forward usc actually had a scare against oregon state i know uh, i couldn't watch that because of uh certain restrictions with my tv provider but <laughs> you weren't able to watch the best time for college football which is always pack 12 after dark Pac 12 after dark <laughs> <laughs> let us watch it on tv cowards right <laughs> <laughs> Give me the Pac-12 network or give me death. But <laughs> I think we're missing the overall. The biggest point is Kansas, still unranked, is 4-0 and now. Kansas still unranked is the big thing, too. 4-0, and yeah. but not getting any respect from AP or coaches, from what I heard. So I think they got some votes, but they are ultimately outside the top 25 still. So that'll be interesting to see how that evolves. I'm not sure who they play this week, but that'll be... Interesting to see if they can keep their run going. But then the other other big news was Horns Down. Yeah, baby. Horns <laughs> down. Unfortunately, it was to another Texas team, though. It was Texas Tech, I think. Yeah, anyway. anybody that beats Texas is good. Yep. I mean, yep. Texas still lost, so I think that's a win in our book. Yep, a loss is a loss, and I appreciate that. <laughs> Unfortunately, we couldn't get Iowa to lose. They uh, swept the floor with... Who'd they play? Drawing a blank. But they, they won Rutgers. pretty handily. Rutgers. That's who they played. That was the punting bowl and the overhit yeah. on a field goal to no one's surprise. Yep. <laughs> Vegas knows what they're doing then. That's what I heard. Despite the over under being 33 and a half and Iowa having two defensive touchdowns and only one. That's what I, I had seen their a tweet that said, or I had looked at the score and they were showing like 17 to nothing or something. And I was like, wow, I was scoring a lot. And then I saw a tweet that said, ah, it's two defensive touchdowns. I was like, okay, that makes more sense. (laughs) A pick six and a stupid score. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So I, 
I mean, if you were to play Nebraska and Iowa right now, that I truly don't know who would have the upper hand. <laughs> because <laughs> you would think, oh, Iowa only has to run the ball against our defense, but their offense is terrible. Yeah. And our offense can be good, but Iowa probably has one of the best defenses in the nation right now. So I don't know how that would go either. <laughs> what a wild <laughs> turn of events, too. Just like, how did that one happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I watched a bit of it yesterday. I was mainly from a fan perspective watching kind of the the rumored coaches that Nebraska might potentially hire for next year. So I watched the Kansas Duke game, which that game in and of itself was, I mean, it's good to see Kansas being known for something other than basketball. I mean, the they sold out their first home game in, I think, since at least 2009 is what I saw from all the tweets and everything that I saw the past week here for that. But, you know, their students rushed the, uh, the field after the game. Um, I mean, it was just it was such a happy sight to see. Like, we all know Kansas football is trash. They're mainly a basketball school, but it was fun to see them actually do something um, and be where they are right now with uh, their football team. And obviously, Lance Leipold being one of those rumored coaches on Nebraska's target list for the next head coach. Um, so it was fun to watch that game. And then I watched the other potential uh, matchup of Baylor and Iowa State or Matt Campbell versus Dave Aranda matchup there. Uh, Dave Aranda won, but Iowa State kind of looked sluggish the entire game. Baylor was up the majority of that game. Um, I know Iowa State only lost by seven. It was kind of a late backdoor cover per se, um, but Iowa State looked kind of sluggish from there, and we'll talk about this more later with our coaching discussion, but I I don't think we are able to judge one of these coaches based off just one game. Um, obviously I'm sure we're going to get a lot of people like, Oh, Matt Campbell lost this week. You know, why should we hire him type thing? And it's, it, that's one thing of like, if they get blown out week to week, but I mean, you can't take one loss to a potential hire that we might get to Nebraska just based off of one losing game as well. But I'm sure we're going to get that a lot this week for that. Um, in terms of just kind of the Big Ten wrap-up of games, um, obviously the ABC primetime game of Ohio State was Wisconsin. Looked more like of a scrimmage for Ohio State. They kind of just manhandled Wisconsin. And I don't know if it's Wisconsin is just not good this year or they're bad or if Ohio State is just really, really, really good. And it probably is both factors there. But um, I think whoever wins the Big Ten – West is, I mean, you're just going to have to have to go up against Ohio State eventually. And or whether Michigan or even Michigan, I mean, that <laughs> I, I'm sure if both teams go undefeated until that last uh, the rivalry week of Ohio State and Michigan, obviously, that'll be another big Fox primetime game. Um, their 11 a.m. kickoff is usually when that game is. But that I mean, that might determine who obviously who goes to the Big Ten conference game, but also playoff bits are going to be on the line there just as it was last year um michigan stayed alive obviously and kept their playoff bid with that game but that i mean if those two courses or those two teams keep the course that they're on right now unless nebraska sneaks into ann arbor with a win that would be wild don't think that'll happen though (laughs) (laughs) um but 
just in terms of the Big Ten West and our division, at least. I mean, Minnesota really took it to Michigan State yesterday. And and I know I texted our group this, that Michigan State kind of took a step back this year from last year. And that and I don't know if that is just a testament to the transfer portal being good for kind of a quick rebuild one year type thing. Can you sustain a, a nice six, seven year run, so to say, with a transfer portal like Mel Tucker has done? Um, but that'll be I mean, as the season goes on, we'll see how Michigan State does. But I mean, just based off yesterday, it did not look like Michigan State was a very good team the way they got pushed around by Minnesota and Minnesota might come into Lincoln and push us around just like they probably will all season. But um, with that, are you sure might is the right word there? Oh, I mean, (laughs) might probably will, (laughs) you know, who knows, but I know Zach, you couldn't watch many of the games yesterday, but just kind of your quick analysis of just some scores that you thought or anything like that at all. For sure. Yeah, so I was unfortunately not unfortunate for the people that were at the wedding. You know, congrats to them, obviously, but they didn't have a TV set up anywhere, so I couldn't watch any college football. But uh, I was looking at some of the scores and was not terribly surprised by quite a few of them, but also surprised by uh, specifically, and I know we all talked about this, uh, Kansas State and our previous quarterback, Adrian Martinez, basically being the hero of that game. I really wish I could have watched that knowing, you know, hindsight 2020, how he played because apparently he played really well. And I remember texting, I think it was my brother uh, after the game was over. And I was just like, imagine having a coach that was able to use his talent from what he came in freshman year and actually being able to hone that in and being able to, you know, take us to, to places that we weren't able to reach. And I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to be that negative, Nancy, and get into the whole <laughs> why we got rid of our previous head coach. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, there were so many people that said we need to bench Adrian. We need to bench Adrian. He just went and beat the number six team in the country with Kansas State. I think you know that speaks for itself by it on its own. And I know we could we could talk about this for for hours, but mm-hmm. that was huge. Um, Kansas being four and zero is another good, huge point. Uh, if Lance Leopold decides that he's going to take the, uh, take the job here, uh, I'm not going to be upset about it because I went back and I looked at some of his previous, uh, head coaching experience and he has done really well at every level he's coached at. And I think that's something to really take into account is because now he's actually in power five football, which I understand is not really known when you can, when you talk about Kansas, but it's still something that he's shown that he's able to go from every level and do it. And I, I mean, if we're going to compare the people that are on our list, you know, Mickey Joseph being on there too, he's had some of that same experience, not necessarily to the level of Lance Leopold, but I think, I think it can be pointed out that uh, Leopold is a good option. The only thing I think if we're, if we're just going to just kind of throw these out there is I think his age might concern me. I know uh, he's a bit older, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything either in college football. I mean, you had Joe Paterno, who was at least like 142 years old. So, I mean, he was he was he was maybe not quite that old, but he was definitely old when he finally uh, felt had, like he you know, was that old. 
it it he he was there for a long time. So, uh, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, my roundup review for college football was not as exciting because I didn't get to see much of it. Um, but meh, but just looking at some of the notes that are here, well, that too. Um, but on the other, you know, I'm looking at some of the notes that we have all added here and, uh, there's some, oh, uh, the one that I really wanted to touch on the Nebraska curse this year is absolutely a real thing. That is the fact like Northwestern since beating us. Oh, and three, uh, Georgia Southern is one and one and Oklahoma has now lost. Like if that to you is not saying the Nebraska curse is real, it absolutely is real. What that also means, though, is that Nebraska is a uh, bottom tier team, and I know no. that I texted. I know I, I texted this to you guys, and I was like, "Nebraska is straight up like bottom tier team now. Like we are, like maybe just above a uh, group of five team." And I, I think that was a little over the top there, but I, I'm not convinced that we're we're anywhere near good. Uh, even mediocre just a sign to me generous. that the Nebraska curse is being spread out to everywhere else and <laughs> being lifted from Nebraska. This is our this is our cleansing year, so it may not be our best year, but it's it's we're <laughs> we're trying to rid ourselves of the curse. That's that's my optimistic mind uh, thinking there. <laughs> right. I hope so. And I think something that I know that we all kind of want to discuss on further was specifically uh, since it relates to Nebraska football going into the future now, whoever is going to be our head coach uh, starting next year, whether it's Mickey, whether it's not, is the transfer portal. And Andy, you touched on this was, is Michigan State a good barometer for, you know, is the transfer portal a good uh, bar for success? And mm-hmm. I, I I mean, obviously we don't know. I mean, we we don't coach these teams, so we can't say – for sure, whether it is or isn't, but I do think it's kind of a mix of both. And so I'd kind of like to get your guys' thoughts on this, but I'll kind of just summarize mine and then pass the torch. But I know that like, for me, I think the transfer portal can be really good, but I think it's kind of, it's going to have to be a 50, 50 mix. You can get really good players from the transfer portal, but you have to be able to adapt them to your system, especially if they're older players and depending on where they're coming from, because if you get a player from the big 12 into the big 10, you know, that one might not be as different, but you're, it's still going to be different types of football. Kind of, I guess. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're going to, you're still going to have football at the end of the day, but it's going to be different because the way the different uh, places play, everybody plays different. So, I mean, nobody's going to just be able to come in and go like that the next day. But I think, Mel Tucker at Michigan State is able to develop players. I just think that it's it's kind of a you can have really good players that come in, but if you also lose a bunch because of the transfer portal because they're using their last year of eligibility, like Casey Thompson this year, we're going to have mm-hmm. a whole new quarterback next year. Like it's a great option, but you have to kind of be able to mix in the middle. So I while this year might be weird for like Mel Tucker, I think next year is going to be a real test to be like how did the transfer portal, ex- uh, the, uh, the transfer portal experiment? That's what I'm looking for. How did that work? And mm-hmm. so I, I, you know, I think this year could be an off year, but I think next year he'll be able to prove whether it worked or not. But I've talked long enough, so I'd like to hear what Andy has to say. 
Yeah, so it's yeah, like you said, with Michigan State, it is they were really good last year. They had obviously a really great season. Um couple of those guys in the NFL, Kenneth Walker to be one of the most notable uh Heisman front runner last year and everything. Um but it, it kinda I mean you can use Nebraska as as an example right now of just kind of what a short-term transfer portal mix can do. It can give you a lot of good players, but if you do not have the infrastructure set up to make them successful, like coaching, other line, like the line, obviously the biggest topic of the entire Nebraska team right now. Um, If you don't have those pieces in place, you know, those transfer players that you brought in kind of get lost in the mix. And the transfer portal can be good for short-term success. Um, like notably maybe getting a new head coach, you get a couple of transfer people and your first couple of years while you recruit the guys that you want to come in and develop them later type thing. Um, but if you're trying to build a team off the transfer portal every single year, it's just not feasible because like you said, Zach, you're bringing in a whole new, whole new system of guys trying to learn your new system for maybe a year. And then they're out the door already. Um, it's not good for long-term success. It's just right now, unless that's the way college football goes. You know, I may be wrong, but right now I think it's more of a quick fix to maybe fill a couple holes. Like, you know, you lose an edge rusher or you lose a cornerback and you need to fill that person because you don't have your death at that position. You go and grab a guy from the portal and play him for the year while you get some new recruits or you just get more death at one of those positions. It's just not feasible to build a team around transfer portal players that are trying to come in gel with other new players they've never played before and also learn your new system of football at the same time to try to make you successful. And I think just Nebraska is just an example of that. Obviously that was what happened with Scott. We brought in the new coaches, new transfer players just to make a short-term success to try to save a season. Obviously it hasn't worked. We don't know what will hold for the next eight games with the rest of these players. Um, They still may be, you know, developing or, you know, maybe just trying to see, what their NFL talent is going the rest of the way forward. But I do think transfer portal can be good for kind of plugging in holes, but not trying to build a team um, at the same time. But that's why it'll be important with Nebraska's next hire that someone that can build and develop players and develop your recruits. So that you do have that long-term success with your team. And that if you need to go into the transfer portal, it's just to fill a position for a year or just add some depth to those uh, positions. Um, I think with the bright spot of the transfer portal, our specialists this year, um, punter and kicker, I mean, they've done fairly well um, in terms of just executing just what their job is supposed to do. Um, You know, we're not kicking 10 yard punts. We're not missing every other field goal. It's not like we're trying. I mean, I still hold my breath on our uh, point after attempts or field goals, but it's not as much as it was last year um, anymore. Um, and I know that Bushini, you know, as long as he stays healthy, he can, you know, flip the field for us if we need him to. So I do think, you know, the specialist may be kind of like a an asterisk type on the transfer portal. Um, just because so far we're having success with that doesn't mean that's going to happen every single time. But that's a little out of my scope of I know developing punters and kickers might be its own different breed because they are their own different breed um as well but with that nate any thoughts on just the transfer portal before we head into kind of our longer discussions of expansion and realignment yeah i think you guys 
hit really the main topics with the transfer portal, it's, you know, it's got to be a, a compliment to your team. It can't be maybe your first year or two, you can build a team just off of transfers here and there, but it's, you got to build it from the ground up. You got to have your own recruits that want to be in there um, that you're developing over time, uh, as well as these bigger playmaker type names uh, like your Casey Thompson's, your Trey Palmer's, uh, your O'Shawn Mathis's. And so they're not necessarily going to be your foundation pieces, but they're going to be pieces that really elevate your team uh, past kind of what they could be. And so that's kind of why I say that they're they're more of a compliment than, I don't know, a necessity, I guess. And so the transfer portal is really good at helping to bring in some of those pieces that you might be missing or to elevate certain areas of your offense or defense that might be uh, struggling or just kind of strapped for some star power. So that's kind of where I see the transfer portal. I think it's overall pretty well positive. It gives the players an opportunity to get either a, get to where they want to be or B um, give them a chance to compete at another university. If they're not getting necessarily the playing time they want now that can be a negative as well. If they just leave because they're not getting playing time, don't want to develop further, but that's just kind of an inevitability with the transfer portal. So, and to each their own on those, I am not a student athlete, so <laughs> I'm sure there are plenty of reasons to be transferring and making those sorts of moves, but um, that's pretty much all I've got to say about that uh, with the transfer portal. So we'll go ahead and pass it over to Zach. Yeah. Uh, I think just kind of to wrap up the transfer portal thing, something that, we didn't really touch on, but I think is a huge addition now, especially with Nebraska being the brand that it is, NIL, which is huge. Um, again, good or bad, it could be anything, but I think NIL, I, there was some study done, and I don't have it pulled up, unfortunately, so I might be speaking incorrectly here, but I think Nebraska was top three of like brands and college football for NIL money, which helps because they go through, I think it's open doors there in town in Lincoln that helps all these students come in and be like, Oh, if you do NIL, like we will help you set these, these connections up. And then basically like they are on the front lines telling these students, like we are going to help you. So like we have this company that's looking to attach a name to something and then they get that set up and then boom, NIL money. Like Nebraska is ripe for the picking for it. And I think going to the overall point of it, like I think it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't, because I think you can have short-term success, but you need to be able to build on that short-term success kind of mixed in with that short-term success. So whoever comes in to Nebraska next will definitely have to use the transfer portal. I'm 99% sure in that con in that statement that they're going to have to use the transfer portal to build their team up, which is fine. We have the ability to do that. And we have the NIL to help bolster that uh, roster as well. But they're also going to have to be like, we're going to come in and recruit. We're going to get good recruits and then build up as they go along to not have this up and down type of year or years that's just going to throw it off. But I think the transfer portal is still a new enough thing that it's hard to say whether it's a good or bad thing. And I think all three of us have varying degrees of <laughs> whether it's good or bad. And I think there's, I think there's good and bad on all of it. And I mean, I, I think 
I think it'll be interesting to see where it goes, but I, I think whoever we have come in is going to need to be able to use that to their advantage, and I'm sure they will, um, provided we get a good name that's able to bring some good players with them, like, you know, potentially if Lance Leopold or, uh, you know, Matt Campbell or Dave Aranda come, they bring their players from their team that might be new into their system. They might not have played at their teams, but they might come to Nebraska. So, I mean, that, that's going to help too. But um, moving on from the transfer portal discussion, I think uh, another topic that a lot of people wanted to hear about was the college football, the playoff expansion, which I'll just summarize myself for for me. Uh, Fantastic. Love it. Uh, Unfortunately, it's expanding to 12 teams by 2026, which to me is not soon enough, but whatever. Fine. Uh, Could be as soon as 2024, but I'll take what I can get. Uh, but I think that's huge. Uh, I for, since the since the playoff was even announced, uh, specifically for me because I never understood the bowl game system. I loved it, but I was also like, I don't get how this is a thing where the playoff just made more sense to me. Uh, but with the actual playoff bracket now, with twelve teams soon to be, now there's a clear there's a clear uh, path. And not only that, you could see a team that's a 12 seed now somehow come out and make it to the playoff. I Do I think we'll see that a lot? No. But I, I do think we have, now that we have the ab- ability to see it once it becomes a thing, I think college football is going to become even more exciting. And that, to me, is huge. Um, but beyond that, I think I will pass it to Andy because I want to hear his thoughts. Yeah, so just kind of what you were saying uh it's not soon enough i think the majority of that is tied into tv contracts and we'll touch on that as well with the conference realignment because that is going to play a big part in college football going forward is tv money now Um, we're starting to see um especially with realignment all these teams realigning um just bigger tv deals equals more money for the school and i think a lot of schools want to do that um but in terms of why it's 2026, um, it's more just tied up in TV contracts right now of who gets what for the uh, playoff in terms of which networks get what games and all of that. Um, Cause they've I already got to be sad about it. Right. Well, yeah, <laughs> which is why, you know, they'll try to work by as soon as 2024. I doubt that's going to happen. It's probably going to be 2026 when the current contract with ESPN expires. Um, and then they sign whatever new contract um, for the 12 team playoff. But in summary, basically just how it works um, 12 teams, the six highest teams from the six highest rated conferences. I think five of those are the conference champions. And one of them is just like the best independent ranked team, which really helps Notre Dame in a sense, because more often than not, it's probably going to be them. (laughs) Um, and then the other six will be at large bids. Um, that'll be selected by the college football playoff committee. Um, the rankings of those higher ranked conference teams will also be uh, selected by the college football playoff committee. So they'll still be a thing, whether you like it or not. Um, they'll be deciding which teams are in, which teams are out and which seats they are um, type thing going forward. But the best, I think the, one of the best things about this is the first four seeds will have a first round buy and those first round games are going to be like on campus games essentially. So you're going to have, you know, let's say like a five, 12 matchup between like, you know, Michigan and Houston. Um, you know, that 
first playoff game is going to be in Ann Arbor. Um, that'll be kind of like a new feeling for a lot of college talents is you're going to have like a true playoff meaning game. Um, whereas kind of the equivalent of that before was like, if, you know, it comes down to the last game of the season and you're playing another team to win your division. Um, it'll kind of have that same hype, except it'll be a playoff team uh, that you're hosting a playoff game essentially. And I think that's going to be really cool for, you know, the towns, the college campuses um, when those playoff games do come uh, to their stadium essentially. And then after that, it'll be kind of what we've seen in the past before the next games will be just a, not like a rotating bowl basis of like the sugar bowl, the orange bowl, fiesta bowl uh, type thing, all at neutral sites until the championship game. And that part's probably going to stay the same, but I think the exciting part to start is that your first round games are going to be on college campuses, which is really cool for that as well um in terms of what could be better i do think i mean expanding the playoff probably could be better obviously we're just getting our feet in the water just getting a playoff and then expanding to more teams for that um i do think i would love to see 16 you know maybe even 2024 going forward and then the issue you run into that is obviously you're playing more games do you cut back on your regular season do you do what like the NFL does is do you just go until February um, type thing? And I mean, that'll be a new bridge to cross for college football when that happens. Cause obviously we're so used to our seasons ending either with the conference championship or just kind of around the new year's time when all the regular bowls are played or even before that. Um, so we're not kind of used to college football. Wouldn't be used to at least going on like an NFL season. And that's another issue you run into is how do you try to schedule those games? Because the NFL now expanding their playoff, you know, you get wild card games Saturday and Sunday. So it's not like college football wants to go head to head with an NFL schedule because the NFL is going to get the bigger of the draw 10 out of 10 times, regardless if it's a college football playoff game or not. Um, that's just the NFL is the overlord of football viewership hands down and TV contracts are going to prefer NFL games over college games uh, to start to more money in the NFL games. But it's just kind of one of the things is, you know, college football will get, we'll cross that bridge when we cross that bridge of expanding to bigger teams, maybe expanding the schedule, reducing your regular season schedule. But for the most part, I do like that we are heading in this direction of getting more teams. Um, now, you know, you're not deciding, you know, who's going to be the number four seed. If you have like three 11 and one teams fighting for that number four seed, like who's the last one to get in? Like, who do you pick? Um, instead of just all of us having an ESPN, uh, Homer bias of, Oh, there's always going to be two sec teams in it. Regardless. Um, we no longer will have to fight about that is now, you know, the best 12 teams of college football get in instead of the best four, uh, for that. But, with that, Nate, I'll go to you for your thoughts on the expansion and what you like. Yeah, I really I really like all of it, honestly. I mean, I'm with Zach on the I wish it would be sooner or implemented sooner, but, you know, <laughs> I'll take what I can get at this point, I suppose. Anything to get us away from just four, I think, is going to be a positive overall. So that's exciting to see. Uh, like you, you mentioned the splits for the four highest teams going to be getting that first round by with the five through 12 playing those first round games on campus. I think that's going to be really exciting for the players, for 
the universities for the fans even instead of having to you know travel to florida or california or wherever across the country um it'll be exciting to actually have some of those meaningful postseason games on campus instead so that'll be really fun to see hopefully nebraska can get uh, to that point at some point in the future by 2026 would be really cool <laughs> playoff 2023 for nebraska baby book it <laughs> just kidding but, uh, please don't do that i i don't <laughs> don't use me as your betting guy don't do too that. late i want someone to clip that and just hang on to it till <laughs> next season please zach oh. already wants bama <laughs> but um overall i i really like it i think there are some questions still of how like regular bowls are going to be affected and how because obviously there will be certainly bowl affiliations with the what quarterfinal semifinal mm-hmm. final but then are there going to be some sort of bull affiliation or branding with the campus games are they going to have just bulls outside of the entire playoff that are just worthless <laughs> in a sense they're um, fun for the players that aren't going to the nfl yeah yeah <laughs> and they're still fun for the fans too but uh <laughs> i'm just interested to see how they how exactly they're going to go about that and uh that kind of feeds into the next question of are the players going to opt out of uh, games like that, especially those bowl games that aren't necessarily going to have playoff implications, but especially even still we see even games that do have playoff implications, some players sitting out. And so does that still bleed into this new playoff format or not will be kind of interesting to see. But otherwise I think I'm on board with it. I'm, I'm pretty excited I wish it could be sooner, but I think it'll be really good for the sport. I think it'll breathe in some new excitement, enthusiasm to college football that has kind of been missing with uh, only having our, you know, the BCS championship and now just a four-team playoff. I think expanding it really gives other teams opportunities, and I know people are going to say, oh, well, it's just going to be the same teams winning it anyways, but... I don't know. I think, in a sense, it adds some parity to the sport, and at least, at least gives other teams that might not have had that chance the opportunity to go out and make a name for themselves and try and take on some of those Goliath-type teams. So, I, I'm excited for it. Hopefully it all shakes out well, and they take their time. If they, if they are going to wait till 2026, I hope they take their time and really flesh out all the details of it and don't just kind of piecemeal it together. So I think those are kind of my thoughts on college football expansion. I'll go ahead and pass it over to Zach. Yeah. Uh, just to kind of finish that as a, as a thought, something to think in the, not to bring up, you know, good old Nebraska history in a way, but a good example of how this 12 team playoff could have worked out is we could have actually seen if UCF could have been, national champions mm-hmm. which they claimed after they won you know 13-0 <laughs> i mean like the 12 the 12 team playoff i think is going to be huge for things like that because ucf was on a tear that year and i do think there is a chance that they could have gone and maybe not necessarily beat bama 
but you know, we'll never know, obviously. But I do think there is by by means a chance that some team like that could make it, which you touched on, Nate. Uh, but I think the uh, other fun thing that goes into this, which now we'll move on to discussing, is the whole conference realignment that's going to be happening, <clears throat> which is all over. Like the conference mm-hmm. realignment is huge. It seems like this year, and maybe this maybe this is something that happens every year, and I've just never really paid attention. But this seems like a really really big happening for uh, conference realignment in the next few years. Specifically, we've got Oklahoma and Texas moving to the SEC. Um, I'll just list these and we can kind of discuss them as we as we see fit. Um, the Big Ten is going to be getting USC and UCLA, which, <laughs> depending on who you ask, is either really cool or really sucks. And there, I have not heard middle ground from that one, but I love talking to people about it because – you get so many different opinions on it, and I am curious to hear what we all think about it. We'll go back to I... the legends and leaders divisions for the Big Ten. Oh, and... I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, uh, it's that's the that's, only way it makes sense so in my brain. <laughs> the Big Ten is going to be huge. Um, it's not going to be ten anymore. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, they spent ten, much money marketing on the Big Ten. <laughs> they're not. They can't change it now. It's already trademarked. Yeah, <laughs> there's too much marketing into it. <laughs> um, and then we've got Big Twelve, who BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston are joining in 2023. Uh, which there's a note here that we have added, which means unless Texas and Oklahoma leave early, the Big Twelve will then have 14 teams until 2025. So again, you know, obviously the 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 playoff isn't going to go in. Well, I guess we can't say it won't, but if 2026 is the target year, it's probably not going to go in much earlier than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, like some of these, then these are the bigger, like these are the, th- those are like the three biggest conferences. And then you've got the AAC looks like uh, Charlotte, FAU, North Texas, Rice, UAB and UTEP are joining in 2023, replacing UCF, Cincy and Houston. And then ACC is the only one that decided we're not doing well, anything this year. The Pac-12 <laughs> unless no, decided unless not Notre to do anything can, either. Unless Notre Dame can... <laughs> oh, wait, who? The Pac-12 decided technically not to do anything. They just... Oh, oh well, I guess... Yeah. You know, <laughs> they just haven't them. added anybody. <laughs> Yet, maybe, question mark? Yeah. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess I kind of skipped over them. Sorry. But, I mean, it's... This is just overall, it just seems like a lot. Um, I'm excited for it. I will say that. Uh, I think... A lot of excitement is going to come into college football in the next few years, just in terms of new and probably bigger teams, if you will, that are joining. Hopefully it's not one of those things where they join the conference and then, you know, they have that year or two of success and all of a sudden they just drop off and it, it wasn't really worth it at the end. But I'm guessing there's a lot more money like Nebraska, tied into it. Never have the success. <laughs> well, I mean, just a lot always of people. Stay bottom. <laughs> outside of the sports aspect, joining the Big Ten, I think, was, you know, yes. really good for the college. But, yep. you yeah. know, we're not talking about that. But I'm guessing that's kind of what goes into these decisions, too, is hopefully mm-hmm. it's a good decision overall for the colleges, obviously. But, the whole conference realignment, I think, is going to throw, and I say this in a good way, I think it's going to throw a good wrench into things because it's going to finally, like some of these teams that haven't been in the bigger conferences that, you know, have been showing up and have been showing that they're really good at college football, 
just in general, like they've been growing and becoming better programs, I think are going to finally get their stage to be like, Hey, you know, we're here, we're here to perform and we're going to do it well. You know, whether they do that or not is obviously to be seen, but I think there's a lot of exciting things that are going to be happening. Obviously there's going to be a lot of questions that come out of it is, you know, how is it all going to stay that way is, or, you know, things like that. But, uh, I, I think, I think these kind of go hand in hand. So I'd like to hear, you know, what we all kind of think about it. And I'll start with Andy. Yeah. So like Zach had mentioned, um, going back to Notre Dame, I mean, that I think will be the next big domino that either like most conferences will want. I mean, Notre Dame is your Moby Dick per se. It is the one team that you absolutely want to have for your conference whether that is for football, basketball, academics, whatever. Um, SEC, I don't think they'll join the SEC, but I mean, if they were offered and they decided to join, I mean, good for the SEC. The Big Ten most definitely probably wants Notre Dame. Yes, ACC probably has a slight upper hand just because they're already in the conference for basketball. So it kind of would make sense just to stay. But in terms of... I mean, the Big Ten made this move to get UC, uh, USC and UCLA is to stay toe-to-toe with the SEC um, because once kind of all these moves get realigned, you're going to have the SEC, Big Ten, and then everybody else. It's going to be basically those two conferences versus the rest of the Power Five versus the Group of Five, essentially. Um, and that's what we're seeing with all these moves. Um, obviously, TV deals are a huge part of it. I know I made a note that... Um, the Big Ten TV deal that they signed over the summer, um, which starts next year, I mean, it's a seven-year, $7 billion contract. Um, each school that I saw from um, Adam, Adam Rittenberg had written for uh, ESPN that each school will get 80 to $100 million a year just off the TV contract alone, which for any Big Ten team, whether you are good at any sport, is just that's a huge influx of money just for your school alone every single year off. Uh, the TV contract there. But I do think, you know, Notre Dame will be the most sought after team in terms of who's going to go where next. Um, Whether that will be next year, whether Notre Dame just decides, hey, we're just going to stay independent um, and so forth. But I do think kind of the football playoff expansion will play a part into if Notre Dame makes a decision now or not. Um, You know, if they can still find a way to be in the top 12, as an independent every single year, they're never going to have to worry. Um, but it's also nice to have that conference added benefit of you can be the conference champ and get in automatically uh, type thing every year as well. But, you know, who who knows if Notre Dame will ever make that decision in the next year or in the next few years type thing uh, for that as well. And, you know, obviously after we took two Pac-12 teams, it kind of remains to be seen what the Pac-12 wants to do. Um, for a while there, there were a lot of rumors out there that the Big Ten still might be adding like an Oregon, a Stanford, a Washington, um, those type of schools from the Pac-12 still. Um, doesn't mean that they can't do that yet. Um, I don't think Kevin Warren has ever actually said, oh, yeah, we're going to stop. We're going to stop with these two teams. We're going to stop expanding right now. Um, anything I think Kevin Warren can do to either be toe to toe with the SEC or try to surpass the SEC, he's going to do uh, for that. But. 
who knows what's going to happen with the Pac-12? Who knows if they're just going to be comfortable with the 10 teams that they're going to have now once USC and UCLA leave, if they're going to try to go out and get maybe a couple group of five teams or steal some uh, Big 12 teams. Um, it's just they're they're kind of on a an island out there by themselves on their kind of last leg. Um, I don't think the ACC too much has anything to worry about right now at least i think they still have a couple of good blue blood program schools whether it be basketball football type thing that they can keep themselves afloat and especially if clemson still remains relevant um and nationally ranked i think the acc can thrive off that for just a little bit but you know if they still have a couple down years and Dabo leaves i mean who knows what's going to happen with clemson or the acc in general because I mean, you kind of saw that shift with Jimbo after he left Florida State. I mean, Florida State's just been blah since they left. And not that Jimbo Fisher's doing that well at a I mean, he's doing well at AM. They almost lost yesterday, but that's beside the point. But, I mean, you can kind of see once one of your premier coaches leaves a team, it's just kind of what that program is right now. And who, who knows if Dabo's ever going to leave Clemson, but that's kind of a thing if, if Clemson does kind of take a down spiral turn, what does happen to the ACC? Um, in terms of football, obviously basketball, they're going to be fine. Um, they'll always be fine because Duke, <laughs> but and Carolina and, and North Carolina, if you like North Carolina too, but the better blue, <laughs> but it's kind of, it's just a, it's a revolving situation of, we won't really know these changes until they happen. You know, who, who knows what's going to happen next summer as well during the off season, what schools are going to flip conferences, who's going to move where. Um, once we kind of get into the dole of the off season for that, but, uh, with that, Nate, I'll kind of get some of your thoughts on, uh, just what you think conference realignment is going to be going forward. Yeah. So overall, I don't love it, but <laughs> it's kind of what we're stuck with. I mean, it, I like conferences that make sense, you know, where we, I, I wish we could be like the old big eight was you know us with oklahoma kansas missouri uh teams like that and just regionally specific teams with good ingrown rivalries that uh, people love going to those games and it seems like every game is a tight one and every game just has that extra passion behind it and so adding teams just willy-nilly to satisfy quota and uh, get more money is just seems kind of superficial to me but it is what it is and it's what we're going to be living with moving forward so i will reserve my judgment too much but overall it'll be definitely interesting uh seeing oklahoma and texas move to the sec i think that's definitely the biggest jump we'll be seeing at least uh, football wise that'll be <clears throat> quite quite the interesting matchups that we'll see between those teams, uh, USC and UCLA, both four and zero this year. So that, uh, is at least looking like a decent pickup for the big 10. And then I think the big 12 is also the other wild card, seeing how those BYU, UCF, Cincinnati and Houston can see if they can make that jump to more of a power five conference against, I mean, you're not, You'll have Oklahoma and Texas for the first year or two, but then after that, you're still going to have some decent competition in your, you know, your Baylor's, your Iowa States, Kansas States, et cetera. And so it'll be interesting to see if they are able to make that jump and can consistently play at that high of a level. 
against teams like that. So that'll and be along with that point, Nate. I you can tie that into Oklahoma and Texas going to the SEC. I mean, obviously mm. they're dominant programs now, but you get into SEC territory and you start playing Alabama, Georgia, LSU, those teams every single yep. year. I mean, can they sustain that program success that they do have right now? I mean, the SEC is just, as we all know, it's just a different beast in terms of no matter which sport you play. Um, it's just, it's going to be interesting to see if they can sustain that success. And I mean, it took A&M a little bit to get there, but they are, um, they are kind of getting back to being national, like a nationally stable program where they're in the top 25 every year, where then you look at Missouri and they are just bottom sec right now. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's a, it's a very two different tales because both of them made that jump at the same time when A&M and Missouri left. Um, A&M is thriving and Missouri is not. So not saying that both of them are going to be like that, but you know, is Oklahoma or Texas is one to be thriving. Is one going to be the bottom. Once you start playing those sec teams every single year that are, mm-hmm. Alabama, Georgia, LSU, A&M even um, type teams on Arkansas, you know, they're, I mean, I know they lost yesterday, but I mean, they're getting back to being top 25 contenders every single year now. So, but with that, we'll go back to you for that. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And seeing if Oklahoma and Texas are able to sustain some of the success that they've had uh, lately and seeing, yeah, if they're playing some of those tougher teams day in, day out, does that push them to become better or does that make them crumble? And so it'll be interesting to kind of see how that shakes out. So I think the other, I don't know, the cool thing with the expansion and the huge TV deals and everything, uh, we have the big 10 uh, signed their, that huge deal with uh, Fox CBS, CBS, NBC, right? We get the CBS music for game yeah. day now. <laughs> it's going to be a huge we get all deal. The music. <laughs> and then you I'm going to look and be do. like, this is a preview for Rutgers in Minnesota with the CBS theme music on a 2.30 Saturday yep. afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> the new TV deals are going to be huge, which I know you're going into their name, but it's going to be great. But it's just, it's going to be cool seeing, you know, First game is going to be Big Ten, Fox, Big Noon kickoff. Then you go to CBS, primetime, 2.30. Then you go to NBC, primetime, what, 6.30, 7 o'clock game. And just seeing that visibility on just over-air networks is going to be mm-hmm. really, really cool to see. And just, I don't know, I'm, I'm excited to see more games like that on on bigger stages, not having to flip through. I mean, obviously, they have to for some games. Go mm-hmm. to, btn or fox sports 18.4 whatever they have now but But, i mean yeah for like the average viewer you're not going to need youtube tv or like anything but a cable box if you just want to watch like just three standard big 10 conference games a week on a saturday Mm -hmm. all you need is just an, an antenna and you can get those three channels and watch all three of those games on a Saturday afternoon. So I think so nice in terms of like, if you're just an average viewer and not like a rabbit sports fan, like we all are where you need all the extra channels because you want to watch all the games Um, just for like the average viewer, like you can just go to any house, any bar and just, you know, it's going to be over the air network of any one of those three games that you can watch. And that's super good for the big 10 going forward in terms of trying to just get a more national brand audience for that um which also leads kind of into like the streaming component of you know how do we all feel about this eventually it's already going to go 
probably maybe all streaming or most of it's going to be all streaming. We're seeing like even with the NFL, their Thursday night game is only Amazon Prime. Um, so that's totally a streaming component. And I think the ratings, on, at least on that, have been good so far. But I don't know how sustainable it is, especially since most people don't have Amazon Prime for video rather than just ordering packages. But <laughs> I love the idea of streaming, but you know darn well that as soon as it becomes a thing, then it's going to be like, get Big Ten Plus. I mean, mm. I know that's a thing already, mm. but then it's going to be like, get SEC Plus, get this and that. And then they're only going to stream it through that for certain games. Yeah. And it's like, uh, and there, there probably will be a Nebraska game in the future. That's only going to be like, you know, Peacock exclusive or Paramount oh, exclusive yeah, because that's CBS. Cause that's, it's going to happen. And you know, I'm, the older generation fan base is not going to love that, <laughs> but it's probably going to happen at some point. I love, I love the idea of the new TV deals, but I don't love the idea that it's going to segment it out so much more. Like, yep. Like the one thing I will say about college football is that even if it's not necessarily a game that I was interested in, if I'm flipping through YouTube TV, I'll be like, oh, this seems interesting and I'll watch it because it's part of my package that I get with YouTube TV. But as soon as the streaming thing takes off even more with with these new TV deals, it's just going to make it that much harder for somebody that wants to just get, you know, a cable box for their TV and just put it on their, you know, put it out the out their window. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I love the idea, but it's also like, oh, it's kind of dangerous territory for TV networks. But, I mean, we're not even talking football at this point when I say this, but we already see that with TV shows. You know, in order to watch most of the shows that most people want to watch, you got to have Hulu, Netflix, HBO Max, and, you know, add a fourth and you're good. But, like, you're paying just as much as you are for YouTube TV and stuff like that. And that's on top mm -hmm. of if you have a YouTube TV subscription. Mm -hmm. It's just going to get worse, I'm afraid. I love the idea, but it's, I'm I'm afraid of the precedent that it sets that comes with, you know, they're they're gonna they're gonna TV network the th hell out of it, and it's gonna mm -hmm. be, it's it's not gonna be great for us because you know we need to gouge you for more money. Yep. Uh, that's gonna and suck. I mean, it's obviously not gonna be just football. We're gonna get basketball. It's gonna be another big one. Outside of that, I mean. Who knows how much it'll trickle down to like women's basketball, women's volleyball, baseball. Um, that'll that'll remain to be seen. But for sure, football and basketball are probably going to be the two main ones that'll benefit initially from the new TV deals. Um, with that, though, I think you know it, it'll be remain like it'll remain to be seen how much of getting away from ESPN now. How much is that gonna you know either hurt the Big Ten? Does the Big Ten not really care? Um, just cause ESPN is just one of those, like you just hear it and like, Oh, sports automatically, they're going to have everything that you need about sports. And now that you're not going to have any games air on ESPN, which for college football is like that six thirty ABC primetime game for college game day type thing. You're getting like totally away from ABC college game day, that crew. Um, you're going to focus on the big noon primetime games, like the big noon kickoff, uh, crew and all that, the NBC prime game. Um, it's, it's just one of those things is we don't know how much of a weight that ESPN could bring us once we fully get away from it. And then we see, oh, you know, maybe we really didn't need ESPN at all type thing. Um, not that I've ever liked ESPN In terms of streaming ESPN is probably like one of the worst for quality, at least Fox, I think has like the best streaming quality out of any of those NBC might be up there in CBS, but for sure, Fox is like streaming quality is top notch. ESPN is like 
blah. And I hate streaming games on ESPN. <laughs> I will um, say whoever makes or comes up with the idea of a red zone type broadcast for college football is going to be very rich. God. There are so many more games that you could put on that type of <laughs> like red zone as well. Rather, and that there's already a lot for like NFL red zone, but like if you add college football itself, mm-hmm. I mean, that would be so many games to flip through, <laughs> and I would love it. It'd be amazing, is what I'm hearing. Yeah. It'd be yep. perfect, <laughs> it'd be awesome. But I think, unless any YouTube boys have any other thoughts on either the expansion or the conference alignment, uh, realignment, I think we're going to kind of dive into, uh, getting us ready for a not bye week anymore we're gonna look ahead to indiana like we said last week um 6 30 kickoff on btn under the lights at memorial stadium last i kind of watched their game yesterday of against the fighting luke fickles uh for indiana that they lost uh 45 to 24 think of what i had down there uh, indiana's first loss of the season now, granted, the other teams they played were uh, Illinois, Western Kentucky, and somebody else that was not really good. But the points still stand. Cincinnati was Idaho. probably Idaho. Yes, um, Cincinnati was probably like their first true test. Um, they did open the season against Illinois. Um, they won that game twenty-three to twenty on like a last-second drive that they came down to win the game. Both quarterbacks in that very first game looked awful, which is like, wow, if they're both like this, Nebraska has a chance. And then Nebraska started playing. I'm like, okay, we don't actually have a chance against anybody anymore. <laughs> um, but they come in, uh, you know, they kind of looked good yesterday. I didn't really watch all of it, but, um, you know, Cincinnati and Luke Fickle, another one of our rumored coaches, looked really good yesterday. But uh, we kind of tie this back into what, Mickey Joseph had said uh, last Tuesday at his press conference, um, just kind of how that they were uh, taking into going to the bye week, what they were going to do. I think the biggest thing that came out of that press conference was uh, AJ Allen being out the rest of the year. Um, A lot of the rumors were Mickey Joseph never addressed what injury it was. It just said that he had surgery and that he's out the rest of the season. He's going to redshirt. Um, But a lot of what I've seen was a broken collarbone that he had suffered during the Oklahoma game. Um, But he had surgery. He's recovering. But that's just a big note of going into the the game Saturday is, you know, you don't have your number two running back anymore. Um, It's going to be Anthony Grant and then whoever else they decide to put out there for the number two running back. We might see all three. We might just see Gabe Irvin type thing. Um, But I will be interested to see at least who they put out there as the number two. Uh, running back in how they decide to do that as you know a running back committee or if they just decide just to focus on anthony grant and then put like you know ramir in for just the passing touch uh passing running back plays type thing um but that was probably the biggest thing that came out of mickey's press conference was uh just that injury update for him as well uh over to you nate kind of any thoughts you had about Mickey's press conference or just any thoughts about Indiana uh, as well? Yeah, so I think the biggest takeaway for me was that they were treating this week as a Nebraska versus Nebraska kind of week. And so that was that's what really stood out from the press conference to me where 
it wasn't going to be looking forward to Indiana this last or last week. Uh, it was going to be just focusing on ourselves, focusing on what we can fix, what we can control, what's within our sphere of influence there. And so I think really getting into that is just seeing if we can get the fundamentals right, get back to live tackling, wrapping up, making passes, catching passes, just little things like that. And so hopefully that's something that is getting worked on or was worked on uh, over the bye week. And so that'll be something interesting to see as we move forward. He did mention that uh, overall he wished he would have done a little bit different with the uh, game planning or game management, I guess, against Oklahoma. But uh, again, it was his first game, you know, as official interim head coach. And yes, he could have probably made a few changes in game, but you know, it's, it is what it is. It, probably sad to say but it probably wouldn't have changed the outcome too much more i mean i think uh the rest of that because sam McHugh, another world herald had asked a question um because mickey had pointed out earlier in that press conference of yeah we probably should have slowed the game down and uh, sam McHugh had asked him to expand on that um and he said you know if i i should have made that decision thursday instead of the second half of the game because in the second half we kind of did see a slower paced offense which then you know, we did decide that we did just need to kill the clock because Oklahoma was gashing us on defense. So we just needed yep. to slow the game down. Um, and Mickey had realized that, yeah, that one's on me. We probably should have decided that Thursday instead of, you know, the second half of the game of that was how we were going to beat Oklahoma because um, they love to run up tempo. So if you don't give them the ball as much and you just kill the clock on your end on offense, um, that's a way to at least keep your defense healthy, not get them fatigued so much um, and keep your offense on the field as long as you can now granted you got to get first downs which we also did not do but um you know it's it's interesting to see going forward if you know that's what they're going to play in this week um are they going to just do that the rest of the season is that their motto the rest of the season or are they going to do game by game based on opponent um and especially now that you don't have a clear uh running back second running back anymore um you know, you got Anthony Grant for your first choice, but it's not like you could also depend on AJ Allen. Like when he came in, like you're going to get some of the same production out of him. We don't know what we're going to get out of Gabe Irvin, Ramir Johnson, uh, Jacques anymore. Gabe Irvin did look good in the second half of the Oklahoma game, but that was also against Oklahoma's second string defense. So a little bit of garbage time there that made him look better. So it's kind of tough to say, oh, does he really look that good or is he just playing a second string defense that made him look that good? Um, so that'll be one of the things uh, I'm interested to see because we know that Whipple loves to pass the ball. Um, but you know, if they're going to slow the, if they're going to slow the game down, you know, you're not going to be passing that much. You're going to be running for a lot of chunk yards, hopefully a lot of chunk yards, kill that clock, hit them with a play action type thing. But that, that's one of the things I'm interested to see is does the offense truly go that way of, make the way that mickey joseph wants it to go or is he just going to let whipple trust that trust that whipple is going to run the ball and know to run the ball as well of that offensive style yeah and i think in my brain i almost wonder if it's like 3d chess too of saying we're going to slow down the game just so other teams try to game plan around that and then Mm -hmm. continue to run the same type i mean in 
in theory, it makes sense. You, especially with our defense, you don't necessarily want them out there trying to do too much. But um, I don't know if it just struck me as a little odd hearing that at a press conference. Of mm-hmm. yeah, no, we're <laughs> here's our game plan, <laughs> <laughs> and so I don't know. If that's just the way that Mickey's going to speak and going to be very forward about what he's going to do and more of a stop us type mentality, or if that's a smoke and mirrors kind of thing or what, but uh, mm-hmm. that was kind of something I was trying to wrap my brain around when I was listening through the press conference. But yeah, other than that, I'll go ahead and pass it over to Zach. Yeah. You guys pretty much hit on everything that I wanted to talk about. Um, but I will say uh, just as kind of a overall point, and I think we may even talk, or we might have even talked about it last week too. Just something that continues to be huge to me is just the accountability. Is that he, Mickey, would be asked a question like, you know, why'd you guys do this? Or why'd you guys do that? Or what's your thought on this? And I don't know how many times he said it, even on uh, Tuesday here this last week. How many times? Well, that's on me. That's on me. It's like, it's weird because I always in my head, I'd always pictured, you know, Scott as a very accountable guy. But then the more that I think about it, I'm like, you know, it was usually some kind of uh, we've got a really special team here, but you know, we didn't do this or we didn't do that. But it was never, it was never just as simple as being like, I messed up there. I, you know, I shouldn't have done that. Now, you know, whether Mickey was overcorrecting for that, I don't know, but I do think it's a huge thing is that he is willing to take accountability. I mean, outside of that, uh, not much really else to talk about in terms of his press conference. Um, I guess I think with that, you know, you know, looking forward to Indiana, I think, uh, you got some things that you want to see out of the team or any keys to the game success that you would like to see. (laughs) I mean, W the key, I think the key <laughs> success for me would be, I'd like to see a win. I think right. Indiana is one that Nebraska, if they could put everything together, could win. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to, you know, write this in as a W by any means, because we are Nebraska and the way we are right now, we can't do that. We cannot pencil in a W at all. We thought we could do that. We, I remember the three of us even saying like, ah, Georgia Southern, they're going to play us tough, but I think we'll pull out the win. And I mean, we didn't necessarily say absolutely a W, but we mm-hmm. we for sure were like, ah, you know, we got that one on lock and we didn't. And so at this point, you know, I, that that to me said we cannot uh, we cannot rule anybody as a straight win, uh, especially with how um, Indiana has been playing offensively. And we know how uh, the defense for Nebraska is uh, playing, which is um, key, not good. So, or they're out there on the field, but they're not playing is what it looks like. (laughs) Yeah. Or they're lost or whatever. Um, but they are, I mean, uh, another thing is Indiana is three and one and they lost to, uh, they lost to Cincinnati, which we already talked about, but probably the best group of five team in the nation right now. (laughs) And, uh, I'm just looking at some stats here. Averaging, uh, I, or sorry, Iowa, geez, Indiana is averaging, uh, 292 passing yards. Uh, actually, it's more. It's close to 293, but I mean, mm-hmm. the point still stands. And uh, for rushing, they're doing 114, 115-ish. And so, <laughs> I mean, and then if you look at our defense, though, um, the yards allowed total so far at this point in the season for Nebraska, 514 yards on average. 
That's terrible. We big That's a sign of a good bad. defense right there. We're playing legitimately like what UCF's defense played, and I understand like that worked there. That does not work here in the Big Ten, and so it's just mind-boggling to me. But anyway, we're not going into that. Um, no, my keys to the game is I think I think my biggest key outside of maybe seeing a win, uh, the big key to me is playing a complete four quarters. Unfortunately, I don't know what that means. <laughs> like, <laughs> do we play good defense? Do we play better than we have, which is mm-hmm. a low bar? Uh, I mean, I think our offense is going to go out and perform well. I'm really not concerned about the offense when it comes to the parts, the the key uh, team or the units of the game. Um, what's even crazier to me, and I think something that we should probably discuss, is that Nebraska is favored. Three and a half points is the current spread. (laughs) What? And it's a Saturday night game. So we have been favored in four of the first five games this season. And we have lost (laughs) all of them against the spread. And I I mean, I I understand that Indiana doesn't look like they did a year or two ago where, well, sorry, not last year, two years ago, where they were nine Windiana or whatever that, whatever that phrase was. Um, but even then, it's like, how, how are we still favored? But yeah, my key, my big key to the game is I just want to see us play a complete game. Even if we lose, I just want to see the team make a... Basically, I want to see an overhaul. As in, the first three games of the season... Sorry, first four games of the season were terrible. And we know that. But can we right the ship in some way that, yeah, we might not win the game, but we mm-hmm. might look like a competent football team. I think that's what I want to see. But I'll pass it to you guys. What do you what do you think? Yeah, I think uh defensively from a standpoint, I think um if we eliminate some of those big plays that we give up, if you just cut down on that, if you get just a couple more three and outs, just a couple more uh just stops on defense, whether they be turnovers, although we aren't really good at doing that, so it's probably not gonna happen from turnovers. But if you just get like just a couple more third down stops that you get, get your defense off, get your offense a chance to score um, type thing. I think that would even be just an improvement from the defensive side, whether they give up, you know, 400, 500 yards or so. Um, I do think if you just get a couple more of those stops and just give your offense the chance, I think that would be an improvement just for the defense in this game. I'm not looking for a total shutout or anything like that. It would be nice, but I don't think it'll happen. Um, so. I know that Mickey Joseph, I think he said in his presser, like, yeah, you got to stop the pass, stop the runs, shut them out. That's how you win a game on defense. I'm like, well, yeah, you don't. That is true, but that's not our defense. Um, But I do think if you just, you get a couple more of those stops, um, you just give your offense a chance and eliminate some of those big runs, those big plus plays on second or third down. Um, I do think. That will just give just the confidence to the defense, just in morale, knowing that they can go out there and they can make those stops. They can make those plays uh, for sure. Offensive wise. I mean, I know we love running the ball, but I think you set up your entire offense. If you could run the ball. Well, Um, we didn't, we didn't versus Oklahoma. And then you force Casey into a third and 10 uh, situation where he's got to get the ball off because his line can't block for him. Um, but I think if you run the ball well, you set yourself up for whatever passing play that you want to do, whether it be play action or just just a quick slant or anything. You open up so much of your playbook if you're able just to establish the run. And I do think if we are able to do that with Anthony Grant or any of our backup running backs, I think 
that'll just be a good long-term sustainable uh, future for the offense and just be able to sustain drives. Um, and that's, we'll see, like if Mickey said, if they're focusing on the time of possession, you know, if you're going to run the ball, you got to be able to get four or five yards of play, um, whether that be running or passing the ball. So you keep moving the chains, keep move, uh, sustaining those drives and keep killing the clock. So you don't give it back uh, to the, the other opponent's offense and get your defense back out after a minute of rest or anything like that. You want to give them probably like ideally five to six minutes of rest on the sideline every single time. But you know, if you score quick off a broken play or anything, that's one thing. But I do think just if the offense can sustain drives, keep drives alive, um, just any sort of little things right now, just to keep the morale and confidence of this team up. I think that'll be just huge for the success, whether we win or not. Um, but yeah, with Nate, uh, any keys, thoughts to the games at all before we get into uh, predictions for Saturday? Yeah, so I think my keys of the game kind of tie into both of what you guys have said, where it's just, I want to see fundamentals executed well. And I think that can really open up our offense and defense to kind of new levels if they just get the fundamentals down you know if it's wrapping up and tackling if it's blocking a person on offense (laughs) just little things like that that are you don't like linebackers getting a free run of the quarterback (laughs) preferably not (laughs) i value casey's life (laughs) i have a feeling he might too at least in the football sense Maybe I'm off base there. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) But no, I think getting those small things right can really right the ship, kind of as you said, Zach. Where that's that's really what we want to see out of this team. We, I mean, obviously want we want to win, but if they look like a competent team, that's going to take getting those fundamentals down, and it's going to take just getting the little things right and. Uh, to your point, Andy, you wanted to see, you know, the run game established and opening up the offense. And that all starts with the guys up front blocking so that we are able to open up the offense. And so it really, in my mind, is it comes down to the, the fundamentals and getting those little things right and really being able to execute well on both sides of the ball. And I think ultimately down the road that should translate into wins, uh, at this point, even if we do the little things, I'm a little scared that we might not, just a little bit jaded. But uh, <laughs> I think, you know, it at least gives us a chance to stay in games again and be competitive. And that's really what I think a lot of people want to see with this football team where we're at right now. You know, we have an interim head coach. Uh, we have <laughs> someone who wasn't our original defensive coordinator at the start of the season, you know, and so. I think really just seeing this team band together and compete and be in close games and maybe pull out a few here and there, I think is going to be, or would really go a long ways, not for just the team, but also for the fan base as well. And so for my prediction, I think Indiana is going to be a decent litmus test for the rest of kind of the Big Ten schedule moving forward, or at least the next what four games or so where we face kind of the middle of the pack type big 10 teams. I think it'll be interesting to see how we come out against a big 10 team who, I mean, to their credit, they are still three and one. 
I mean, they're, I mean, you could question their wins all you want, but they're still three and one compared to our one and three. So <laughs> I think they will be uh, a decent team. They did lose by 21 to Cincinnati, but they lost by 21 to Cincinnati. And that's not exactly a <laughs> difficult feat. So I think Cincinnati's a good team. I think Indiana could be a decent team as well. Um, they did. The thing I questioned with them was a lot of their games were closer. So I think uh, we mentioned they beat Western Kentucky in overtime. They had a close one with Illinois. And I think Illinois, or the Idaho game was within a score or two as well. So they may play down to their opponents, which would be very helpful on our end. And I, th- I want to go... I think I'm going to say 28-21 Indiana. I know we're three-point favorites, but I'm until we can actually get over the hump and get out mm-hmm. of our own way, I'm going to err on the side of caution, I guess, and go with 28-21 Indiana. With that, I'll go ahead and pass it to Zach for any of his thoughts and predictions. For sure. Um, and I'll get to my prediction. I just, something that I just, a couple things that I had just remembered that we wanted to talk about was... Uh, this goes way back to the the new coaching discussion, but something that might be a key point is Dave Aranda has coached with Mickey Joseph before. Uh, so the yep. connection there could be pretty solid. And I think he might be somebody to look at. And I think I shared a picture with you guys of um, odds of who might like who Vegas has is the best odds right now. And that is, I think it was Aranda. I don't have my phone pulled up right now, but I'm pretty sure it was Aranda as, as mm-hmm. the top guy. And so I'm like, there there could be some good stuff there. And then with him mixed with Bill Bush, uh, who's now the defensive coordinator for the rest of the year under Mickey, you know, I think that kind of ties in with us playing maybe more complete football, which to me I think is the key, is if we can get those fundamentals down and play good football, will get us to the point. Um, but with that... Uh, my prediction is pretty much the same. Uh, I think <laughs> uh, it's pretty well proven that I think the defenses aren't necessarily the greatest in the Big Ten. So I think it's going to be a high. I think it's going to be a higher scoring game than what Nate's got. Um, but I still think Indiana's going to win it. I do actually like the idea of Nebraska covering, though. Somehow, I think with the week Backdoor off cover. and that, I think with uh, I think with the week off and with Mickey. You know, getting his his style in for that two weeks, basically, uh, well, it will be at that point that he'll be able to instill what he's looking for into the players. Um, and I mean, we've even heard that from some of the players is that now it seems like they're one team compared to where you had an inner circle, outer circle before. So I think I think we are, ironically enough, seeing a shift in the team, regardless of if it's going to amount to wins. I think we're going to see a more cohesive unit team wise to me that actually i think spurs really good um thoughts and you know play going forward again i don't think it's enough to best indiana so i'm going to go with 31 34 again i think nebraska will cover uh it's going to be a it's it's a weird score but i think it's gonna be one of those like we're going to score and then it's going to come down to field goals like they're going to figure themselves out it's going to be field goal game at the end where that's where we get to um yeah, I, I think Indiana is going to be be the victor, but I think it's going to be a real close game, and I'm excited to see what Nebraska can do with the bye week. Andy, what you got? 
So if I choose Indiana to win, that means Nebraska's going to win because we all picked Indiana. (laughs) (laughs) That's generally how that works. Um, No, I do. I mean, I, that spread is just so I'm sure that spread's going to fluctuate throughout the week, but that's such a fine, fine line to pick, but I will go. I'll go 34, 24, Nebraska. I will. I'll keep chugging that Kool-Aid just a little bit longer until I've proven once and for all that our defense is trash. <laughs> Tell um, you what, Andy, I'm... if you're right, I owe you a six pack when I see you next because <laughs> I would love to be wrong. I swear I do. I would. I would love I'll, to be wrong in my prediction. And I was like, oh, our defense is trash because Oklahoma's really good. But then Oklahoma played yesterday. And I'm like, well, no, maybe we're just bad because Kansas State could stop them. So, <laughs> but I. Nebraska makes any team look like a playoff team. Uh, Let's not forget do. that. They really do. But I'm hoping. Let's not just, forget that. I'm hoping with that, it rests kind of the players could reset from just kind of the turbulent four start, four weeks that they've had to start with coaching changes and the losses hopefully just this week they could just kind of mentally and emotionally reset get their minds right mickey's got them hopefully straightened out getting ready back to work and uh they come out with some fire on on saturday and like you said zach hopefully just a consistent four quarters um could help lead them to victory but that's what i'm going with so that will send it to nate there for kind of uh some wrap-up things for and in the program here. Alrighty, yeah. I think we've covered just about everything from kind of the college football roundup to our college football playoff expansion, conference realignment, to our look ahead to the Indiana game. And I think there's there's some optimism that we're going to be, hopefully, at least <laughs> becoming more of a competent team. I think that's that's all we really want to see is, is just good football on Saturday. And so uh, hopefully 6.30 on BTN, I believe, on Saturday. Should be, I believe, homecoming as well. So hopefully there's a little extra juice and energy for the team to feed off of. But should be, uh, according to our scores, an exciting one, a pretty close one at least. So we look forward to that. And I would just like to say a thank you to everyone who has been listening and who is listening currently. We appreciate you all. And if you would like to reach out to us on any of our socials on Facebook or Twitter, uh, go ahead and leave a comment or uh, follow us there. And I guess with that, we'll just leave you with, uh, if it's a possibility, it's a Nebraska ability. <laughs>